0: 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. And uh, I I mention the Scripture a lot, but I actually just want to look at it and focus in on it today. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. We're going to talk about great difficulties and great joy. There's lots of greats. As we read through this passage, we're going to see lots of greats. See great grace, great growth, great trials, great poverty, great generosity. But we're going to land on these two today: great difficulties, and great joy. All right, First, Second Corinthians, chapter eight, beginning in verse one. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. He said, I want you to take notice of the Macedonian churches. Take notice of them. And he highlights the grace of God. How many of you know, really honestly, we can't do anything without the grace of God? Amen. Amen? Take notice of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. When you mix that stuff up, that just doesn't sound like the outcome that you're going to get. But that's what happens. When you are in affliction, when you're going through trials, you may even be in a place of poverty. But if you'll mix joy in with that, the outcome can be great generosity. You're going through difficult times. You don't have anything really necessarily of significance to give. But if you'll joy in those seasons, you can come out of that generous. That's what he's telling us by the grace of God. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we, should, that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that you would enlighten this to our understanding. Father, I pray that it would inspire us. I pray that it would transform our behaviors, our our mindsets, the way that we live our lives, Lord God, to live lives empowered by your grace, overcoming difficult situations, and abounding into liberality, serving, giving, blessing in every aspect of our life. Father, help us to do this. Again, by your grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start out by talking about capacity. Capacity. You ever get to the point where you feel like you can't take anymore? How many of you have been there? I really think this is where, when he's talking about the Macedonian churches, this is kind of the point where they're at. Great trial of affliction. Right? Deep poverty. They're at a place where they're having to endure. They're having to persevere. They're, they're having to push through a difficult season. It's where they're at. Here's one thing that I've learned, that when we get to the place where we feel like we're overwhelmed, that the problem really isn't stress. Because there are stressors all around us. Right? There's all kinds of stress in life. The problem really isn't the stress. It's not really the things that are being applied to us. It's our capacity, That's the real issue, our ability to bear, our ability to take it, our ability to endure. The problem isn't so much about stress. It's more a problem and issue with our capacity, our ability to handle it. It's like lifting weights, right? You put 350 pounds on a bar, I do not have the the physical capacity to lift that right now, right? Right? It's our capacity. That's usually the issue, our ability to to endure, our ability to endure things. Here's here's an important question. Why does the Lord so often allow us to get to the point where we feel like we are about to break? You know the Lord does that? The Lord will bring us, every one of us, to the point where we feel like we're not going to be able to take it. Everybody loves to quote that scripture, the Lord won't put more on us than we can bear. Listen, I, I know a God that loves to stretch us. He loves to put us in possible situations. He loves to get us with our backs up against the wall. He, he loves to get us facing giants that we don't think that we can, we can defeat. That, that's the God that I've come to know. God, God revels. He delights in doing this. You know why? Because he wants to grow us. He, he wants to expand our capacities. Amen? He does it because we will never know what we're capable of until we are stretched be- beyond that which we think we can bear. Right? And I do believe there's a the truth that God won't put more on us than we can bear, but sometimes we do and sometimes people do. Right? There's a, there's a difference. But God, God brings us, he puts us in these situations, he, 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 he puts us in, in tough places because he wants us to figure out what we're made of. He wants to figure out what he has put inside of us. He wants us to come to a place of understanding where we realize that greater is he who is on the inside of me than he that is in this world. That nothing in this world can wipe us out if we rely on the spirit of God that's on the inside. Amen? Let me ask you another question. What is it that you have convinced yourself that you can't do? But the reality is, it's just simply that you're not willing to do it. It, it says of these churches of Macedonia that, that they, they were, according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. A lot of the things in life that we say we can't do are things that we just have determined not to do, right? Right? I can't I can't face that giant. I can't take that on. I can't I'm not I'm not willing to serve in that ministry capacity. All all these types of things that we, we say we can't do when the reality is it's just that we have determined we're not going to do it. Right? Kind of like me and going to the gym. It's not that I can't do it, it's that I haven't been willing to do it. Right? Sometimes we have to push beyond our limits. man? It's kind of like working out. I did something on vacation this week. I worked out. Three times I worked out. And you know what I did? I pushed myself beyond my limits. I got some weights out in that that weight room there at at the little hotel we were staying out and I, I got weight that I knew was going to be difficult. Not so difficult I couldn't lift it but difficult enough where it was going to put stress on me. You know why? Because I want to change this flabby body. (laughs) And I know without that stress, there's, there's not going to be any change. Without pushing the limits, there will be absolutely no transformation in this physical body of mine, right? Exercise puts stress on us that brings, ultimately, strength to us. The last night that we were there, I, I got out on the beach and I, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I, I want to run. I wanted to run for 30 minutes, but it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm waiting for, for the fulfillment. Wait, blessed are those who wait upon the Lord. They shall run and not go rear. They will walk and not faint, right? They will mount up with things like I'm waiting on that just like supernaturally happen. I've been waiting for the last 30 years. That's, that's how long it's been since I've had serious workout routines. Right? Guess what? It ain't going to happen. If we're gonna have an endurance to run for 30 minutes, we've got to build to it and we have to push ourselves to it. So I got out there on the beach and I pushed myself. My my max capacity of running really was about 90 seconds. I'm I'm kind of pushing myself. I'm not just talking about doing this little thing. Now I, I was pushing myself, but the capacity was about 90 seconds. So I did something called interval training for 30 minutes. I ran until I didn't think I could take it anymore and then I walked. And then when I had caught my breath enough, I'd push myself again. And I found myself out there on the beach. I had to literally preach to myself because I wanted to stop. I mean I just wanted to stop, pick up seashells, and look at the, you know, jump, fish jumping out of the water and enjoy the view. That's what I really wanted to do. Watch the sun go down, right? That's what I really wanted in my flesh. That's what I wanted to do. But I wanted different results. So I had to push. I had to get out there on the beach and begin to preach myself. You can do all things through Christ. I was preaching scripture. I was doing, I, I was psychic. I had to psych myself out because I realized without doing that, I'm not going to see the results that I want. And I'm always going to have this little flab thing going on up here, right? No matter how many tacos they eat, it ain't going away. We have to push. We have to push ourselves. Stress increases our capacity. Pushing through things, enduring through things, hardship and pushing through increases our capacity. I was talking to our, our team this morning. I said, this message is gonna be a little bit about my superpowers, but also a little bit about my kryptonite. How many of you know you have, you have strengths and you have weaknesses? We all need to be aware of those strengths and weaknesses, right? And your weaknesses are usually tied to your strengths. One of my strengths is this ability to endure stuff, to push myself. I have an incredible capacity to do things, to work. To, I, I, we, we've lived here for three years. In, in that three-year period, I've pastored this church. I let, I've led an organization of ministers. I've been to about 150 basketball games with my kids. I've remodeled 3,600 square feet of house. I, I've remodeled our kids' wing here in this church. I, I, right now, I'm currently helping my kids start a landscaping business. We, we mow the church yard every week. Uh, I, I, I just work. I have an incredible capacity because I learned a long, long time ago that I can push myself through when I want to lay on the couch, when I just want to sit and watch TV, when I just want to do the things that, I, that are going to end up really costing me that if I push through that, there are great results that come. I learned that. I, I had great examples. My dad was a hard worker like that. I had uncles and grandparents that were like that. They, they set a great example for me. Of it, how, if you put yourself to things, and if you apply yourself things, and you go through hard things, that great things come, right? That's what this church has experienced. The churches of Macedonia, he's pointing this out. They, they didn't have a lot to give. They weren't in a position, but they, they pushed through that, And the result of it, it manifested in a generous gift to the Apostle Paul and the work that he was doing in ministry because they pushed through that. So one of my superpowers is is perseverance. Like I can come and work at the church all day, and this is what I did like in our first year living here. I would go home at night, and I would work till midnight every night, and then I would get up at 6 in the morning, drive my kids to school, and come back to the church office, and that was my daily routine. I can do that. I can push myself. That's a strength for me. But tied to that is also the weakness, the kryptonite, the thing that can destroy me. What comes with that? If, if, you, if you, can, you can burn out, fatigue. You can drive your wife insane. There's all kinds of negatives and downsides to that strength that I have as well. So stress, that, putting that stress, putting myself into that, enduring things that I don't always want to go through has taught me, and it has helped me to expand capacity. I can do incredible amounts of work throughout the week. I can get a, a, incredible things accomplished. I can obtain things. I can, I can go out and get what I want. if I, uh, I've learned that, and it's caused me to grow. The stress and the pressure and pushing and persevering grows our capacity. But there's a key there that if you're not careful, you'll miss out. You know what another thing that, that brings growth to our capacity? Rest. See, see, I, I said that I worked out three times. I didn't work out every single day. Because I learned back in my football days that you have to rest between workouts, right? When you push yourself, you've got to rest. You've got to draw back. If you're going to grow capacity, if you're going to increase, if you're going to... How many of you want to grow? How many of you want to grow? And there's, this, this, this works really honestly in every area, in relationships. If you stretch beyond your, your norms, your comfort zones, you can grow in relational capacity. It, 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 in finances, if you push yourself, you can go and attain things. In your physical body, right? You, no pain, no gain. You got, you got to push through. You, you get the results that you want, right? It's a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing, right? It's reading your Bible when you don't want to read, right? It's going to church when you want to stay in bed. It's meeting up with your buddies you know, for for a little bit of Bible study and encouragement when you'd rather, you know, go play golf or something. There's a spiritual perseverance. And when we press through and we do the difficult things called spiritual disciplines, when we press through those things, it causes us to grow spiritually, right? So stress, exertion increases capacity. The flip side of that is that rest Rest is also something that increases our capacities. When you go and you work out, literally what happens is you shred muscle. Your, your, your muscle fibers tear down. When you're pushing and exerting and lifting weights, running, your, your lungs, your heart, your, all of your muscles, they, they are breaking down. You're breaking down literally the fibers of your muscles. And then when you rest, what happens is, is your body brings healing to those fibers, and that's what produces the growth. Right? We need to understand that. And it's difficult. It's hard for me, but I mean, in the American culture, go, 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 right? We also have to understand that we need to rest. Stress plus rest equals success. If we're going to grow, we need to persevere. We need to push through. We need to do the hard things. We need to do what what Brother Dwayne was talking about last week take the first steps, take those steps that we've been avoiding. Otherwise, there's no growth, there's no increase. And then there's times when we've got to recognize hey, I need to rest. If we're going to grow, if our capacity is going to increase, we've got to stress and we've got to rest and we've got to have the wisdom to discern the time to do which. Should I rest? Or should I push? All right, capacity. Everybody say stretch. stretch. In verse 3 of our text, it said they did what was beyond their ability. God wants to put us in situations that are beyond our ability so that he can do that. How many times do we see examples of this throughout Scripture? God putting his people in situations that are going to grow their ability. I think about the the the, the development of, of King David. Right, we we see great pictures there. I think of spiritual development. We always tend to think of him, in, in you know, in the castle, we think tend to think of him about his uh, you know his great sin with Bathsheba. We we tend to think of all, all those things, his 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 victories, uh, the the most. One of those prolific warriors, they say that he never lost a battle that he was engaged in. He always, he always won. And we think of all of that kind of stuff. But what we forget about, what we lose sight of is all of the processes that God took David through to develop his character, to develop his strength. And In Psalm 78, the Bible talks about David, said that, that he shepherded according to the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hands. He was a leader who led with integrity of heart and skill of hands. You know where that was developed? That was developed out in the sheepfold. That, that, that character and that skill was developed when, when David was, was in the Valley of the Giant fighting Goliath. That character and that skill was developed in David It was honed when he was living in Adulam's cave. All of these hard things that God allowed. And, 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 and another one, when he was in, in Saul's, Saul's castle... Remember when he served Saul and Saul tried to kill him, right? I mean, he was throwing, he was chunking javelins at him, trying to take his life. All of these things that David had to endure are the things that God allowed to come to his life so that he would have the character when he would get into the the, the throne himself to lead the way that God wanted him to lead. What David learned in the sheepfold and in the Valley of the Giants and in the cave and in, in Saul's uh, house is he, he learned character. He learned integrity of heart. He learned skillfulness, right? One, one of the most incredible things that, that I see in the story of David is, is that his administration when he became king were all of the dysfunctional guys that gathered themselves to him in Ad- Adulam's cave. He took those misfits... In the cave and train them for the day that he would come to the castle and lead. They were shaped out there in that cave. They were shaped in those hard places. Right? Can you imagine sleeping on a rock? A cold rock in a, in a damp cave? It's, it's not fun living. But God allowed David and his, really his administration to go through that season to shape them to lead Israel. God allows us to go through things, to shape our character, to strengthen us, to increase capacity. Leadership capacity was developed in in David's life in the sheepfolds, in the caves, in those hard places, being persecuted by Saul. That's where it was shaped. Going up against Goliath, right? Whatever battles God brings to you, they are not intended to kill you. Whatever foes show up in your life, whatever giants pop up, they are not intended to destroy you. They are intended to shape character and, again, to help you to realize what's on the inside of you. The testing of the Lord, it really helps us understand that the character of the Lord resides in us, that the Holy Spirit's operating in us, that that we are his people, that we have been regenerated. We're we're not the same old floppy-doppies that we used to be. God is shaping something on the inside of us. You know, what, you know what spiritual maturity is? Spiritual maturity is not giving you something that you don't have. It's getting what's on the inside of you to come forth. It's the eternal seed of God that's already been planted at the new birth to bear its fruit. That's spiritual maturity. God takes us through process in order to do that. We have a lot of scripture to, to, to back this up. God stretches us. What, what limitations have you put on yourself? Here's another question What, what limitations have you put on God? Are we willing to allow God to stretch us beyond our mindsets, beyond our comfort zones? Are we, allow, are we willing to allow God to, to grow us? The way that we increase our capacity is by pushing our limits, meeting the resistance, pushing back, pressing through, persevering. Stepping out when we don't feel like it. Getting out of our comfort zone. Doing the tough things. Enduring hardships with joy. We're going to talk about joy in just a second. Look at this. In James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. knowing that the testing of your faith does what? Produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the seed driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. This is about faith. Faith in adversity, it's just choosing. To trust that God is who he says he is. And not backing down. Yep, I'm in a difficult situation. I, I love the way that the New Living Translation says this, dear, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. Your car breaks down. Hallelujah. This is an opportunity for joy. You got a flat. T- you know what? We were getting ready to go on vacation, and I was, my sister was coming into town, and I was going to get my mom's car all fixed up for my sister, and my mom, to drive around town in. I took it, I got the oil changed. I took it to the car wash and got it all washed up, got the tires all shined up, ran the vacuum in that thing, and I mean, went over the car with a fine tooth cone. I, I drove about probably three miles from the car wash back to my house, and when I got home, there was a screw that long. Sticking through the sidewall of the tire. It punctured the surface and sticking out of the sidewall. Oh, no. It happened on the way home from the car wash. It wasn't there because I, I went over those, that exact tire washing. It wasn't there. You know what that was? It was an opportunity to joy. An opportunity to rejoice. You know what I did? I got in the other car, our car, and went and got it oil changed, car washed, vacuumed it, got it ready for my sister and my mom. I could have gotten mad and kicked the tire, broke my toe, and cussed and had to repent. I, I love, the greatest example of this all time, I think, was Pastor Bill's story about the, y'all remember when he preached about that? This, I think it was this, verse, or this passage when he, he talked about getting his finger smashed by the longhorn. He talked about how it was an opportunity to praise the Lord. Right? You don't want to praise the Lord, you want to cuss. You want to shoot the cow. We have to count it as an opportunity to rejoice. This is key. If we're going to have victory, this is key. If we're going to be able to endure, we're going to see this as this message develops. We're going to see this. If we're going to have victory, we've got to keep joy. If, we're, if our capacity is ever going to grow, we've got to keep joy. Amen. In every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what God puts us in, we need to count it all joy. Let me finish this up. For you know that when your faith has been tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Right? Rejoice. Endure. Persevere. It's an opportunity for patience to come. How many of you have ever prayed for patience? You know what God's going to do? He's going to send a trial. I prayed for patience one time, and he's given us four kids since then. Now, here's a great example right here for for capacity. We're talking about increasing our capacity. I remember we were at a marriage retreat. This would have been about 19 years ago. We were sitting on the river walk. We had just come out of our session in this marriage retreat, and we're sitting out on the the beautiful river walk in San Antonio, and we're we're eating a beautiful Mexican enchilada something. It's amazing. Man, I miss it. Y'all don't even know in Southern Indian. I'm sorry. They don't do that. I mean... They don't. You know, if you hadn't lived in Texas, you don't know. And Rachel, we're sitting there, beautiful evening. Rachel looks across the table and says, guess what? I said, what? I'm pregnant. <laughs> My world fell apart. I mean, we were, we were trying. We wanted kids. We've been trying for like a year and a half at this point. But when the reality hits, like, you're what? Like, how am I going to pay for this thing? Like, what, what school are we going to send this kid to? I mean, your your whole life flashes before your eyes, right? The whole kid's life flashes before your eyes. Insurance, all these things. What what are we going to do? Panic mode. I I broke out in cold. I mean, I was kind of happy, but I was panicked. More, more panic. Guess what? We had a kid, and then nine months later, she looks across the table again. Guess what? (laughs) Don't tell me. But it, really, honestly, the, the thought of having two was overwhelming. The thought of having two was like, what? I, I could barely pay for this one. How are we going to pay for two? But you know what we have four now? And you know what you learn through that is you can trust God. Because if he provided for for number one, if he took care of Noah, he's going to take care of Nate. And if he took care of Nate, he's going to take care of Jensen. And if he took care of Jensen, he's going to take care of Bethan. See, that's growing capacity. God puts us in situations that we don't think we can face so that he can prove himself strong and show who he is inside of us. That's the the way it works. Everybody say pressure. pressure. Pressure is good. Stress is good. Resistance is good. Stop cursing the resistance and embrace it. Joy in it. Revel in it. Take it on as an opportunity for God to show himself strong and work through your life. Amen? There are no diamonds without pressure. There are no pearls without irritation. There's no pure gold without being tried in the fire. There is no strength without resistance. And there is no growth without pain embrace the pressure, endure it, go through it, because God is making you into his masterpiece. He is creating you and working in you. He who has begun a work in you will finish it. Amen? He's going to finish it. He's not going to leave you there to die. Amen? Looking at the life of David again, look at, look at his relationship with Saul, the, the stresses that David experienced in Saul's, courts prepared him to be king. The stresses you experience while serving in the king's courts are conditioning you so that you can stand the pressure of being king. Do you get that? That's good. The stresses you experience while serving in the king's courts are conditioning you so that you can stand the pressure of being king yourself. See, God's called you to something. Let me say that again. God has called you to something. Amen. And what he is taking you through is getting you ready for what he's going to do through you. That's the reality. That's the truth. You have to be mentally and spiritually and emotionally strong to be king. Amen? Amen. That's why God takes us through the things that he allows to come to our lives. So how do we make it through times of great distress? We've already been talking about it. Joy. We have to joy. Amen. How did Jesus get through the cross? Joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, right? It says that we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who, the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Jesus facing the cross, held on to joy. What was the joy? I believe it was two things. I believe it was living life to the will of the Father, pleasing the Father. There was joy in that for Jesus. Number two, you and I. Those who would be redeemed. All of the children of God. Right? He's the firstborn of many brethren. He had those brethren on his mind. And by that, by the way. He had us on his mind, it gave him great joy, and he was able to endure. What, what gives you joy? Why are you, what, what are you willing to endure the hardship for? For your family? For your wife? For your kids? For your own well-being? And really ultimately, most importantly, for the kingdom, for the glory of God. I'm going to go through this so that I'm going to come out on the other side victorious and glorify God in it. Amen? Let that give you joy. Nehemiah rebuilding the city walls. You think that was an easy task? It wasn't. Much labor and a lot of enemies. A lot of people coming against Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 8 verse 10, what, what kept him in the journey? He said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What's keeping me in this thing? What's giving me the strength to muster up another brick? What's giving me the strength to carry around this trowel and this sword and keep working? What's giving me the strength to fend off the enemies while the work of God continues to progress? What's giving me that strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I heard somebody say one time that if the devil can't get your joy, he can't get your goods. Why? Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? Remember the story? There's a picture of this. Jesus said that the enemy can't break into a house and take the goods unless what? He first binds what? The strong man. What's your strength? The joy of the Lord. Listen, if the devil can't get your joy, he can't take your goods. If the devil can't get your joy, he cannot affect you. Right? So when they cut you off in traffic, don't cuss. Don't let your temperature begin to boil. Just let the relief valve, let the pressure out. Say, Jesus, I bless you and I thank you for this day. I thank you that I'm on my way to work and I'm going to make it. I may be late because of this guy that just cut me off. But that's all right. I'll bless you anyway. Right? Rejoice. Keep joy. There's a, a, a quote, uh, the, the late Tim Keller just passed away. And I think I, I think I used this quote a couple of weeks ago, preaching, but I just love this. He says Courage isn't the absence of fear, courage is the presence of joy. The presence of the joy. Kept Jesus on the cross. They kept him on his assignment. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of joy. I love that. It's a beautiful picture here in in 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning in verse 6, he says, In this, greatly rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. That means to choose joy. Rejoice literally means to choose joy. You either choose joy or you choose cussing. You choose joy or you choose anger. You choose joy or you choose to get frustrated. What's it going to be? Rejoice. One of my favorite memes of all time, it's it's, it's two pictures of Joyce Meyer. It says, Joyce and rejoice. I love it. (laughs) Choose joy. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Rejoice. When there is great distress... When there are various trials that are grieving us, what do we have to joy in? In the preceding verses, in in that same chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3 through 5, he gives three things. Number one, he says, we have a living hope in the resurrection. Amen? Amen? We might be going through some things right now, but we have a living hope in the resurrection. Then he says, We have an incorruptible inheritance reserved in heaven that will not fade away. Not only do we have the hope of of, of resurrection, we have an incorruptible inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us that will not fade away. Amen? And then third, he says, We are kept by the power of God for salvation. We got a living hope of resurrection. We've got a non-perishing inheritance. And we've got the power of God keeping us to salvation. And we can't find something to rejoice about? Really. We are blessed. Too blessed to stress. Too blessed to let it take us out. Too blessed to quit. We've got a good God who got up out of the grave. And if he get up out of the grave, i can go through this and get to the other side. Amen. Here's a last thought, hopefully, <laughs> coming from our text. You're never truly free to give to others until you are fully, until you have fully given yourself to the Lord. Look what he says in verse five. He says they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. That's the key right there. Where where does the joy come from? It's that we have wholly given ourselves to the Lord. When we have wholly given ourselves to the Lord, we can endure miserable situations and circumstances. The greatest trials and tribulations that you've ever faced in life, you can endure it because you have entrusted your life to the Lord. A great example in the life of Job. When everything happened in Job's life, I'm not going to repaint the story. I think most of us are familiar with it. When everything came undone in Job's life, you know what he did? He built an altar and worshiped God. And Job's song is this Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He chose to rejoice. When most of us would quit, when most of us would pout, when most of us would would give up, when most of us would turn our backs on God, Job faced God and worshiped God and blessed God in the most dire situations. He had given himself wholeheartedly to God. And you know what the result of that was? The the, the question is why, you know, as, as we read through the book of Job at the very end of it, the Bible says that the last part of his life was twice as blessed as the first part. You know why that was? Some people, in context, they say it was because he prayed for his friends. Because it says Job prayed for his friends, and then the the second part of his life was twice as blessed as the first part. I want to tell you that Job getting blessed, the double portion blessing, had absolutely nothing to do with Job and had everything to do with God. You know why Job's life was twice as blessed at the end? Because God is good. Because he's a God who knows the end from the beginning. And he knew that if I allow Job to go through this, it's going to increase his capacity. It's going to stretch him. And when he goes through a hardship, he's not going to turn from me. He is going to bless me. And so this is a man that I can bless. This is a man that I can prosper. This is a man who, in great poverty and distress, is still giving worship to God. And as a result, there's this generous spirit, worshiping a living God, going through difficult situations and circumstances. You'll never be a giver until you have fully given yourself to God. You'll never truly be a worshiper until you have truly given yourself to God. You'll never be able to see your life fall apart one day and lift your hands and bless God until you have truly given yourself to God. The reason God, and, and, and I said this, it's, it's about God. You know there's a principle in the Bible that if you entrust something to someone and it's lost, it's lost that they owe you twice as much as you lost? If Pastor Bill gave me one of his cows to take care of, and I didn't take care of that cow, and it died, by the law of God, I'd owe, I'd owe Pastor Bill two cows. See, God, God's a God of his word. You know why God blessed Job? Because Job had fully entrusted his life to God, and when he suffered loss, God paid him back double. Principle. It's about the character of God. Very little to do with us. It's more so about the character of God. It's His goodness. He allows us to go through things so that He can test us and He can show Himself strong. This Macedonian church was in distress. They were in poverty, but they joyed in the midst of that situation. They continued to rejoice. They continued to give glory to God. They chose to give when it hurt. And look what happened. The the riches of their liberality liberality abounded into generosity. That's the result. When we press through, our capacity grows every single time. Here's, Here's a summary of What I read, when when I read through uh, the passage here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 5, our opening text. Here it is, summed up. When we face great difficulties, great trials, and great poverty, and we lean into God's great grace, we will receive great joy that will produce great growth and great generosity. Go back and study the text. Go back and meditate on it. God's good. I've already had my last thought, so I'm not going to preach this. But there's a message that I preached. The catch, the line in the the scriptures, this, or in in that sermon, is this: that God is good, even when he looks bad, even when we don't understand what he's up to in our lives. He's still good. How many of you know we can trust God? Amen. Let's, let's stand together. Let's stand together. God is good. i tell you what I want to do. We had an awesome response a few minutes ago when my wife gave that appeal for salvation. Listen, I, I want to say what I said a few minutes ago. Jesus is not in the business of turning people away. If we come to him, he will not turn us out. Amen? Amen. The message of the gospel, whosoever will, let him come. Those are the words of Jesus. He didn't say go take a shower. He didn't say go put on a suit. He didn't say brush your teeth and hide the alcohol. He didn't say get it perfect. He said whosoever will, let him come. It's a come-as-you-are message. We don't have to clean ourselves up because I'm going to tell you what, when we come to Jesus, it changes and transforms everything about who we are. That's the reality. I want to ask those of you that a few minutes ago lifted your hands and prayed that prayer, I want you to come join me.